you're just joining us, welcome to Genesis Gathering. It's great to have you with us. And for those of you that are in the sanctuary, welcome. We're going to continue this morning in our series entitled Lies That We Tell Ourselves. And this is part four, dealing with the subject of certainty. Uh, Nina's going to come and, and join me right now as we entertain and field your responses to the question that we're about to put up on the screen. Now the way this works is you can respond in two different ways. You can respond by texting us your answers, all right, 720-878-3323. Just go ahead and, you know, get your phone out, be ready to text your response to the question once it's posed. Also, you can put it in the chat window, which we will be monitoring, and uh, that way we'll see it there, and we can pick up your chat in the chat window. You're watching via a certain stream right now that you picked up off of the website or the Facebook link to the website and, uh, or to our BoxCast broadcast. We did change platforms recently, and there's a chat window there. All you need to do is type your name in and then go ahead and give approval, and you'll be live in the chat, all right? So let's pose the question this morning. Here we go. Our question for this morning is, how has an uh-oh moment presented you with an opportunity to trust God more deeply? Again, how has an uh-oh moment presented you with an opportunity to trust God more deeply. We kind of had one of those. This may seem light to some people, but Tuesday night, uh, so we had a, uh, you know, we, we, do, we sponsor bingo on Tuesdays, and we had our big bingo night. There's one that happens about every two to three months, and it's a big deal. And how much it takes to put it on and what it produces, what the results are, are big. And as you may know, it was snowing Tuesday night. And so uh, I had known for some while, Barb had said, you know, the weather's not supposed to be good on Tuesday. And I'm going... I know, we're just going to have to trust God. So we were, driving to, we were driving there, and Jeff goes, oh, man, this snow is not good for this. And I said, I know. I said, you know, I've just determined we just got to trust God. That I was in doubt. He was in doubt. I was in faith. I Let's was just face it. Okay, no. Okay, so anyway, I said, you know, I mean, but that was my response is, you know, I've just already decided whatever happens, happens. We trust God. He, he's the one who brought us to this, and you know, however it turns out, it was all going to work out. The Lord's going to take care of it. Well, at these big bingo nights, um, our last one, which was in November, we had 153 people. And for you, those of you who don't know, a regular bingo night ranges from 50 to 70 people. So we'd had 153 people in November. So here's this bingo night. When we arrive, there's normally 35, 45 people at the door waiting to go in. Well, of course, it was snowing, and there was nobody at the door waiting to go in. And there, was, there were some people in their cars, and they came in. There's about 10 of them, and we're going, okay, okay. Well, when the night was over, we had 143 people came. <laughs> and so this may seem kind of like a lighthearted uh-oh, but it does have carry some meaning to, to us, and uh, God provided. Well, and I'm sure that there are people who now hearing that we sponsor bingo, uh, we don't play it, we sponsor it at the bingo Host hall. It, yeah. <laughs> and, and so over the past three years that we've been doing this, we've engaged with several hundred people. I can honestly tell you, without any preacher talk or e evangelistic <laughs> exaggeration, we've probably ministered to, I'm talking laying hands on, 
praying for, crying with. We've been in their home, gone to the movie with more gone to the people, hospital. gone to the hospital and prayed. More people from the bingo congregation than we have over the past three years from our in-house sanctuary <laughs> congregation. Yeah, so it's we been bless a tremendous the Lord. Time. I, I mean, it's just been tremendous. And of course, during this downturn in economy and the pandemic hitting and uh, uh, sanctuaries being shut all over, uh, the, the income from the bingo uh, has been very, very helpful and uh, help has made the take difference. care of things. It's, it's really made a difference. Yeah. God's used it. But the real thing is we have a second campus. We have a campus church. We're a campus church. We have a and bingo we, campus. We have a bingo campus. <laughs> That's right. And, and it's so exciting how God uses that. All right. Back have, to the question. Have, back to the question. Have you texted us your answers here? Okay. How has an uh-oh moment presented you with an opportunity to trust God more deeply. Anybody here? Waiting for any responses here in either the I'm chat watching. window. Yeah. Or, and Carol's helping us with that right now. Um, monitoring we miss you, that. Carol. We miss you, Carol. <laughs> Be healed in your body. Anybody in here? How has It's hard to recall an uh-oh moment, right? When was that? I know it's happened, but when was it that I just had to say, okay, I'm going to have to trust God. <laughs> you know, I some, thought it was going to go this way, but it didn't. There are some people that don't want to admit they have uh-oh moments, <laughs> especially Christians who have been taught that they're not supposed to have uh-oh moments. Well, what are they supposed to have? Well, that's just it. They're in denial. <laughs> okay. Uh, anybody in here? And let me look again in here. Boy, we don't have any big answers today. No. Can't just, think of some uh-oh moments. Nobody's willing to be transparent. Or can't remember. Trying to think of you oh got one. Oh my goodness! Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, we're going to give it a try. We'll bring. We'll put. We'll put. We'll put Jenny on the spot back here. <laughs> so um, when I was going to college, right before I went to college, I, sorry, uh, <laughs> not usually on this side. Right. Yeah. Um, right before I went to college, I had the big decision of going you know, to a different college out state or staying inside. I'm from New Jersey, so. Um, so I chose a college I've never been to and never saw before I got there. So I really had to put my faith in God just to make sure I liked it, you know, the college itself. I barely knew anything about it. All I knew it has a marching band, and that's it. <laughs> and it was called CSU. Uh, but it was the best decision in my life. I mean, it got me here. It got... You know, it was the, God really took care of me, but it, it really put my faith on the line. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. For those of you who couldn't see her, that's Jenny. And Jenny and Carrie, thank you for helping us out again this morning yeah, on the uh, sound booth and the AV. And Jenny's running the camera, so whatever you're seeing. <laughs> okay, here's, that. that's great, Jenny. You really just, like you said, had to put your faith on the line, and, it, and God came through. That's wonderful. Um, Jeff here. Let me see. By the okay. way, Kathy and, and Jack say hey. Hi, Kathy Randolph. and Jack. Got to clear my throat. I'm sorry. All right. Um, so Jeff does DJ work, and at one of the dances. Not me. Not this Jeff. Jeff, uh, our church member, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Peter. Yes, you don't do. You could do DJ. I work. could do. G, you would do really well. I do DJ. JD work. G, DJ, 
Not JD, DJ. Okay, at one of Jeff's dances where they were, I, he said he got all the equipment set up and ready to go and started to play music, and no sound was coming out of the speakers. That sounds like church. That does sound like church. <laughs> Talk about an uh-oh moment. Jeff, and, it, it follows you. <laughs> no, but he hasn't been here, and it still does oh, that. Oh, that's true. It's not Jeff's fault. He hasn't been here. <laughs> So we want to now know the rest of the story. Did you ever get sound? I know you had to trust God. You were on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Those thanks for sharing. Those are hard things. Yeah. Those are hard things. Yeah, what do you do when? Yeah. It doesn't go the way you planned it. Okay, anybody else? Anybody else? Waiting? Nobody. Nobody? No text? Nobody, Nobody in the sanctuary? So bad okay. question, huh? <laughs> Stupid. That that might be an uh-oh. Maybe that's my uh-oh. Maybe you just have to trust God. There, live live the example. All, All right. right. Oh, oh, we have one. Oh, we, we have got one. a question back here. Okay. My yeah. salvation. I've been redeemed. So I switched careers and um, took my first job out of school and absolutely hated it. And um, really thought maybe I've made a mistake with my whole life. I've spent all this money going to school. And do I go back to what I was doing before? Has this been a big waste of money and time? Wow. Um, but I have gotten a new job uh, that I really enjoy. And prayed to God, if you, you brought me here, you put me through this school. If you want me to do this, you got to help me out. And, and he did. Oh, that's, that's neat. And that's another big one like, like Jenny's yeah. school. I mean, here you paid all this money, went to several years of school, changing careers, yeah. giving up your former career and job and income, and then going, oh, my gosh, what has happened? Yeah, what do Praise you do? Praise the Lord. What do you do when that happens? Talk about losing control, okay, right? Okay, so we have another one. <laughs> losing control and saying, okay, Lord, what are you doing here? Yeah. So I think this is an uh-oh moment. Um, years ago, the Lord had... Um, confirmed to my husband and I take our children move to California. We got rid of everything. Everything we had was in two cars. Kids oh were in my. one, stuff was in the other. Um, he had a job. We prayed. God confirmed. We were going up the hill, got to Idaho Springs, and the steering broke down on the car. And as it turned out, if it hadn't, um, we would have been going down the hill without it. We get through the Eisenhower Tunnel. It's raining. I can't stop. I think my brakes are out. I'm flashing him because I'm following him. And we, we pulled over, and I stopped short of hitting his car. And I, in that rain and in that mess, I just said, we're going. God confirmed for us to go, and we're going to go. And that's it. If we have to drive there without brakes. I mean, that's a stupid, <laughs> stupid thing. But we did it. They were just wet. I mean, many things happened on that journey. But there was a reason. God opened the door, and it was rough. It wasn't smooth sailing, but I know it was him. You know, we made it through. So you pushed through the circumstance and just kept believing you had heard God, regardless of circumstances. And that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. When, when you're facing circumstances that are shouting, wrong decision, bad decision, 
so on and so forth. So yeah. that is one way in which we have to say, I'm going to trust God. Right, I'm going to trust God. That is one way in which, or form in which we can trust God, is by staying steady and pressing through. For you, it doesn't this wouldn't be true of every situation and every person, but for you, you had a word from God. You were clear on the word he had given you. That really is important in our circumstances. But like with, I'm sure, as Jill said, you know, then you begin to wonder, did I hear God? Right. You know, I thought this was did the route I, I, was, God? I was supposed to go. Yeah. Really big. So Jeff uh, has sent a follow-up. Okay. Um, he said, uh, to add to what happened that night, or I assume it was a night, to add to it, they started letting people into the dance, and I scrambled and found the problem and got the music going, and all the other volunteers were like, glad you were here to fix it because you're the only one who would have known how to fix it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but in that moment, you're going, oh, right? no! <laughs> awesome. Okay. I assume you're going to use Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in today's message because it fits everything no, that'll be next week when you teach no, i'm not teaching next week no no i i tell you right now the scripture though <laughs> which is trust in the lord this is the first scripture i ever memorized this was her and i had and i and i and i was in a belief at that time that anything i had it was to, to be given away from the lord anything happened so i was telling everybody the scripture so it's trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Your own understanding was going, oh, no, <laughs> you know, right? Uh -oh, but in yeah. all uh -oh. your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your direct path. Your so path. that's exactly what's, what's happened in all these situations that you all spoke of. Anything else? There are no, nothing in the chat. All so, right. okay, I'm going to move forward then, all right? Yeah, oh, well, I'm sorry. You didn't, you, I, I did it at the last minute. <laughs> Sorry for the last minute. Yeah, I don't know if I, I was worried about being able to say this, so I started to type it out. So um, I moved on from a relationship that I thought was my future, and it felt like I had failed. <clears throat> and that my life um, wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So it was an uh-oh moment, and I waited a really, really long time, and then I met Matt, and he's everything that I ever wanted and more. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> it was a lot of trusting God, and then not only is he everything I ever wanted, but he is so much more to my family and um, even more than just my dream man. I think he's <laughs> my parents' wow. dream man, too. So yeah. um, definitely worth the wait and yeah. definitely... Um, in that uh-oh moment, something that paid off trusting and waiting on God. That's amazing. How neat. What a great testimony. Thank you, sweetheart. In part one of this series, it was titled, You'll Become Like blank, fill in, fill in the blank, having to do with our identity. Separation from God is a lie, as is the sense of inadequacy that leads to constantly trying to become something out of unhappiness or your unhappiness. In lesson number two, we talked about determinism, that the idea that God predetermines and decides the outcome of everything. We learned that there's a, a principle and a theology called open theism, where A, 
possibilities are still real with God. B, God who is omniscient and all-knowing knows possibilities are real. And C, when he created the world, he created it with possibilities and unresolved possibilities. That means that it leaves things open for choice and free will. That was lesson number two. Lesson number three last week, the lie of fear. Fear will single-handedly keep us in slavery to the perception of God as being angry, a judgmental father who is difficult to please. And this morning, again, as I've said, we're going to talk about the sin of certainty, if you will. That's actually a book title, The Sin of Certainty, by Peter Enns. I love the subtitle on the front cover of the book. Listen to this. Why God desires our trust more than our correct beliefs. Let's turn in our Bibles, Isaiah chapter 50, and we'll have it on the screen for you as well. Join me in Isaiah chapter 50. Verse 10, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? who walks in darkness and has no light, yet trusts in the name of the Lord and relies upon his God. It is not unchristian to walk circumstantially in darkness. It is not a lack of faith to be in a place where it seems like you have no light. What God is asking us to do is even in the midst of our darkness and lack of light, continue to rely on him. I'm going to read it from the complete Jewish Bible translation. Who among you fears Adonai? Who obeys what his servant says? Even when he walks in the dark without any light, he will trust in Adonai's reputation and rely on God. That's so beautiful. God has a reputation, and it's a really good one. He's absolutely dependable. So, uh uh-oh moments in life are certain, actually. They're not uncertain. It's not like some people go through them and others don't. Uh Uh-oh moments in life are certain. And rather than run from them, we need to consider the new possibilities that they present. Properly embraced, they reveal a depth of awareness of the Father's presence and change of direction that he is often bringing about in our lives. I, I took a moment and looked up the word certainty. Obviously comes from the word certain. I was astonished as I read from Webster's Dictionary what the word certain means. It was flew in my face as, oh my goodness, this isn't the way I live my faith at all. Watch this. Fixed, settled, indisputable, inevitable, incapable of failing, destined. That is the way I grew up believing a Christian should live and believe. And that if I wasn't experiencing that, 
I mean being fixed, being settled. Things were inevitable if I would just trust God and believe his promises. I was incapable of failing. We sang songs about being incapable of failing, you know. God's our victory. Destined. Everything was Everything had a purpose, and I was going somewhere, Jill. I, 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 I took this course. I changed my career. I spent my money. I emptied my bank account because I've got a destiny. Uh-oh. Now, that's not wrong, and we do our best. The problem is, if you trust in certainty, you are not relying on God. The only thing certain about uncertainty is that it will certainly come to you. I have a diagram of certainty this morning, and this is one that I present to you as a six-line diagram of how I used to believe theologically. Are you ready? So look first at these six lines. You have the one going across the top, and then it falls off. Then it bottoms out, and it goes a long time, And then it starts coming up, it rises, and then, interestingly enough, it takes off into the distance, but notice at the bottom of that, it takes off into deeper depths. I told you this was a theological diagram, watch this. Here are the words that go with it. Eden, perfection, right? Everything's great. Destiny, everything's been determined. Everything's, I'm incapable of failing. Everything's inevitable. God has fixed it. I am settled. Eden. Beautiful. Whoops. Uh Uh-oh, the fall. Then condemnation. The earth and where we're living presently in a place of condemnation. Ah, but Jesus comes to what? redeem us to save us so there's our salvation Ooh, but that salvation seems split there are people who are going to go to heaven and there are people that are going to go to hell and so something that started out perfect in the beginning certain inevitable determined fixed by god ooh, has a bad ending now it's split some will make it some won't ah bummer. Hope I'm in that group that makes it. I'm going to work. I'm going to plow. I'm going to apply myself to be sure I'm in the group that makes it. A couple of questions about that. Did you realize that there is nothing in the Jewish or Hebraic notion of Scripture regarding Eden, that it was a place of perfection? It's called the place of beginning. It's called a place of God's presence, but it's never referred to as a place of perfection. You know why? You don't have any place to go but down if it's perfect. Any, even the smallest little error then means you've fallen from the ideal And now that must be judged. And of course, in the theology of this, God is now angry. He's angry that you have corrupted perfection and he's going to hold you accountable. And if you don't make it right by the end, you'll go to hell. 
It's really a very sad story. And the Jewish people didn't believe that way at all about Scripture or about Genesis and the account of the garden. Secondly, did you know that the word fall is not even used in the Hebrew text? And that it was added hundreds of years later by those who interpreted the Hebrew text? Regarding the present state of condemnation, all right, we live in condemnation, all right, we're just sinners. We're eking out an existence, and if you believe the right thing, and you believe that Jesus died for your sin, and you go to church, and you pray the prayer, and you shake the preacher's hand, and, and, and you don't give up on that because you've got to hold it till the end, sound familiar? I mean, this is 101, Gospel 101. You know, missing from that whole concept that the whole earth and you and I, you and me are all living in a state of condemnation are these scriptures too. Here's, here's John's account of Jesus' coming. John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus is not condemning the world. He didn't come to condemn the world. The world is not in a condemned state. Now, yes, it is suffering the effects of sin, clearly, all right, clearly. But God is not standing in heaven as a judgmental father, holding us out because he's angry, saying, if you don't get this right, then what did Paul preach? He wrote over half of the New Testament. How about this from Paul? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19. <clears throat> For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Hey, if God's not keeping track of people's sins, why are you? Uh-oh. Pause, Sila. So, another question about this whole theology presented in these six lines. <clears throat> Did Jesus come to make us, to give us a way to go to heaven? Is that the gospel? Think about it. Because Gospel 101, modern evangelicalism, especially in the West, pardon me, is that the reason for Jesus' coming was so that we could be forgiven by the shedding of his blood <clears throat> and for us to have a way to go to heaven. When that's actually not the gospel message at all. We, for, we were forgiven prior to Jesus shedding his blood. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We were alienated from God as we learned last week and the week before in our minds, not in God's heart, and then third, Jesus didn't say he was making a way for us to go to heaven. Jesus was saying that he came to minister goodwill to all men and to unite heaven with earth. He said it in the prayer that he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on, come on, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came as the incarnation of God to join heaven with earth, not to give you a way to get there, and oh, there's a whole bunch of you that aren't going to make it. Sorry, uh-oh. 
And then finally, that, that line that goes down sharply at the very end, we call it hell, damnation. Is there really a place of eternal conscious torment where God's inexhaustible anger will be justifiably carried out towards those who refuse to believe a particular understanding, evangelical, of the Bible? Ooh, I can feel the darts. Heretic. Heretic. <laughs> okay. Let me diagram again using that same framework something that I grew up with and taught for at least the first 20 years of my ministry as a pastor. Ready? Carrie, go ahead and put that, that next one up. Here it is. Faith certainty. The walk of faith that's certain to get results. What's it look like? Find a promise. Say it. Believe it. Repeat it. And if you do it the right way, there's a certain answer coming to you. Oops. Uh-oh. Don't say it enough. Don't believe it correctly. Don't repeat it enough times. And whoops. Your answer is truncated. Oh, gosh, it was such a struggle. <laughs> It just wore me out. It wore me out trying to live this way and it wore me out trying to preach it to people who wouldn't believe it. I preached it and I preached it. I did my best to get everybody that would listen to believe this way. And the problem was, it wasn't real. It, it isn't realistic. It doesn't line up with our lives. It makes no room for uh-ohs. It actually believes in a God called certainty, not the God of the Bible. Now, <clears throat> here's another version of it that I call the trust journey. Good, good Father, I doubt, I question, I wonder, but regardless, because He's a good, good Father, I just... No, he's going to work all things out for my good, Paul said in Romans chapter 8. I spend all my money. I stop my career. I think I'm going into a new one. And it doesn't happen. But Papa is watching over that, and he's going to turn that thing around for you. So even when you start going downwards, and even when you're having those uh-oh moments, he redeems those for his purposes. Brian McLaren said, you won't go on a quest if you are sufficiently comfortable in your captivity. Ooh, I want that quote. I'll send you my notes. Others have asked. Just let me know. Write us, text us. I'll send you my outline. Especially those diagrams. Too, too hard to try. I know you've been, I see you. Oh God, don't change the slide yet. Lord, have the Holy Spirit tell Carrie right now not to change that slide. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Do you know that losing control is to give up your comfortable captivity? Losing control means 
you become comfortable asking questions others tell you not to ask. Have you ever been there in your story? Let me share with you a story that made me not only uncomfortable that it was happening. I mean, we're not just talking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. We're talking Nina and I being faced with the cessation of all that we knew as ministry, becoming a laughingstock, being forced out of ministry, and go and do our best to get jobs. Four years ago at the end of 2018, our church was in a building program. We were so excited. We had acquired a new space in a shopping center. Woo! We pulled out all the stops. We recarpeted, we repainted every inch of every wall. We put in a new dais, carpeted that. We had lights. Multi-thousand, tens of thousands, almost a $100,000 sound system put in. We got walkie-talkies for the ushers. Yes, bless God, because it was important to know where everybody was in this 16,000-square-foot facility. And if they were having trouble on the front, then an usher could come from the sanctuary. Or if an usher was having trouble in the sanctuary with a parent, then, you know, he could get another usher. Or not a parent, but with an individual, he could get another usher to help him usher him out. Or if, or if the nursery worker was troubled with a, a, a baby that he couldn't quiet, they could... Phone in to an usher who had an earpiece on and get an usher to the nursery. Oh, man, we were styling. Yeah, we were styling. Fast forward. Uh-oh. Oh, and by the way, so 2019 comes, March. We have our big grand opening. 340 people. I thought, man, we'll never look back. I had people patting me on the back. Congratulations, Pastor. Congratulations, Pastor. Woo! We not only had to look back, we had to, we had to look back and be sure what devil was chasing us because, I mean, attendance fell off and we were losing money and we started not to be able to take care of rent and then the big one happened because when we negotiated to move into that space we signed on the dotted line with the understanding that we would be putting in a full-time daycare 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. with drop-off for the mamas and the dads that income stream alone would have provided everything. Fire department came in, shut the whole thing down. Didn't have egress, proper egress. You know what that is, okay? Oh, we worked, we labored, we struggled, we fought, we believed. Uh Uh-oh. Shopping center got shopped to another church. 
That church almost took it and we were almost out, but it looked like it was going to be redeemed in the end because another ministry came in and made all kinds of promises and we were going to partner together and make their thing happen and our thing happen and, and then that totally fell through. And we were completely lied to and we were pushed out and we had 30 days from the beginning of June to June 30th to find a place to meet. We had nothing. It was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing to go from the highlight of our lives and our ministry, everything we had worked for 30 years for, it was being realized. And now we were losing it all. Thrust out, nowhere to go. I contacted pastors, showed up on the doorstep of others, reached out, nobody would take us. And then I play racquetball with this skinny, lanky kind of guy, you know. His form's terrible, but he's just a heck of a racquetball player. Man, he just kills it. He goes here to St. John's Lutheran. He, knowing the circumstances I had shared with him, he said, let me mention it to our pastor. He's kind of new. He hasn't been there forever but let's see what happens. Long story short, council winds up approving it. The weekend before we were out on our ear, he calls, says, you can come start meeting at St. John's Lutheran Church. God completely rewrote our destiny. I could have never planned this. Now my wife is employed here as the pastor's administrative assistant. Our daycare director left our location and ministry, came over here. I, I told them they were about to shut down because they were having problems. I said, don't. I said, please interview our director. I promise you she's what you want and need. They hired her on the spot. She's completely turned that thing around. They bought a bus. They have 40 more butts in the seat. They, I, I mean, it's, it's been the talk. And we've been meeting here now for, I don't know, two and a half years since that time. We, we have a relationship. I come to find out the pastor's a Luther Costal. Yeah. Pastor's a Luther Costal. We've learned, we've grown, we've changed, we've, we've helped them. COVID hits three months after we move in, four or five months after we move in, COVID hits, Lutheran Synod for the whole Rocky Mountain region, everything is shut down, <clears throat> COVID comes in. We get the announcement that things are going to be shut down on this weekend, and by the next weekend, we are live streaming both churches' services, and it's never stopped for the past two and a half years. Two of St. John's media team are in the back right now running our media. Whoops. Couldn't have charted that. Couldn't have diagrammed that. Couldn't have written that script. But I can honestly tell you, 
that with the changes that have happened in our lives and the challenge to be all that God wants us to be over these past two and a half years, so much has changed for us. We've become such a different people and such a different church and such a thankful heart and I don't miss anything. I look back and I, I, I say, oh my gosh, I used to believe that. I was striving for that. I was reaching for that. I would kill for that. I would run you over for that. <laughs> I'm just being honest. You know what the pandemic has been? An opportunity to love. Some people want a mask. Some people don't. Some people want to stay six feet from me. Some people want to hug my body. Some, some people have gotten vaccinated, some people haven't. And at the very beginning of that whole thing, here's the scripture I taught to our church in this sanctuary, and I stated very clearly, I said, I don't care what everybody else is doing, this is what Genesis is going to be about. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom, only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness, but through love you should serve one another. The message translation says it this way. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do or destroy your freedom. Those of you who are anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, anti-this, anti-that, and have made it known, and you've criticized, and you've been abusive in your words, and your terminology, and the, the Lord corrects you. The Lord humble you. He says, rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. This whole pandemic and, and, and all the things that went with it, all the restrictions, I believe in free will. I believe you should have a freedom. I absolutely deny and refuse mandates. I do not think they're godly. I do not think our state, our federal Governments should be pushing mandates. However, listen to this, rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. This whole pandemic has been an opportunity to love. When you lose control, heaven takes over. Losing control frees God's resource. It frees his hands. It reveals his abundance. It is a lie that difficulty or tests represent the absence of God's favor and his presence. True freedom is lived in the tension of certain outcomes which please and award and obtain versus uncertain challenges which cause questions and require patience with mystery. I've learned to be patient with mystery. Peter ends in his book, The Sin of Certainty, says this, and I quote, The need for certainty is a sin because it works off of fear and limits God to our mental images. William Sloan Coffin, Jr. says this, and I quote, What a distortion of the gospel it is to have limited sympathies and unlimited certainty." You know what? We choose to allow struggle to transform us. 
How many of you are familiar with the book of Job in the Bible? I mean, you haven't, it's not that you've memorized it, or, but you just know there's a book in the Old Testament called Job, right? Right? All right. And you basically know the story that Job had everything, and then uh, the devil and God have a, a, a conversation. The devil accuses God of just having his arm and his protection around Job so that nothing bad can happen to him. And and everybody knows that if you remove that, uh, Job will not serve you any longer. So you let me at him. And so God removes his hand and Job experiences uh, the curse. All right? And then this goes on for a long time where there's this struggle back and forth between certainty and uncertainty, between the mystery of being human and the mystery of sin, and should I trust God? Can I trust God in this illness, in this sickness, in losing everything, including my wife, kids, my cow, my land, everything? And then three friends show up, and they're the worst. I mean, Lily, uh, Lily, Lily and Lee... Lee and Jill, these, these, these are people you'd, I got a new name for you, I love it, Lily. Uh, uh, <laughs> these are the friends nobody wants. They accuse Job of heresy, they accuse him of not being close to God, they accuse him for, of not having enough faith. They, all the theological, evangelical stands of you don't believe enough, you're not saying it the right way, you haven't said it enough times, if you'd read your Bible more, if you'd go to church, all of it, and it gets to chapter 42, the last chapter, and here's what happens. God rebukes Job's three friends, and then Job says this, watch. I had only heard about you before, but now, after all this suffering, I've seen you with my own eyes. You want to know the purpose of Job? That God would strip us of our certainty and put us in a new place of trusting Him in everything in our life, no matter what is happening. In the darkness, in the absence of light, we trust and rely on Him because He is the only sure word The Good News translation says of verse 5 in Job 42, In the past, I knew only what others told me. Preachers, radio sermons, books you read, well-meaning Christians who say this and that about the right way to believe and serve God. I, I knew only what others had told me. Watch this now. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. I am inviting you in this message on certainty. Lies we tell ourselves. Believing that life or that God or that the Bible promises you any certainty is a lie. God refuses to be held in the darkness of certainty and the lie of it. Rather, he is a God of possibilities. He is a God who takes our circumstances and our realities and our uncertainty and our uh uh-oh moments and he turns them around for good and he leads us into his presence with a greater awareness of how much he loves us. And sometimes that happens through uncertainty and darkness and failure 
and everything turning upside down. And I'm so thankful now on this side for what happened three years ago. I'm so thankful. Brian McLaren, along with Richard Rohr, said this. If we want the Bible to be a constitution, it isn't enough. It isn't at all. Nor is it enough as a roadmap for successful living, as a set of blueprints for building a life, an institution, or a nation, or as a, quote, owner's manual, but as the portable library of an ongoing conversation about and with the living God, and as an entree into that conversation so that we actually encounter and experience the living God, for that, the Bible is more than enough. Nina's going to come and join me. There's been some special things that she has felt about prayer, and uh, I'm going to let her just take this here, um, honey, and, and you follow the Holy Spirit there, and then uh, I do have a prayer that I want us to pray uh, liturgically. Well, I, um, I'm not sure that there's anything in particular. Were you going to have Matt? Yes, I was. Matt, can you come up on guitar and just provide that beautiful background uh, of that last song? I just know that this morning I've just had this strong uh, compassion. I, that's the only word I, I can describe it as. I'm not even sure what it is. Um, and, you know, each week we've had these long lists of people to pray for, and we do again yet today. And uh, I was looking up a couple of scriptures about how Jesus saw the crowds. So this may not, this is kind of like a crowd of sick people mm-hmm. and, and, and some other needs in our, in our prayer list. And, and he had, the scripture says he had compassion upon them and healed all their sick. And boy, Jesus, do we need you this morning to heal yeah. our sick. So we do have some praise reports I want to tell you first. Cheryl who's been using a walker, had that pelvic bone fracture. She's not using her walker anymore. There's a preemie we've been praying for who still needs some prayers, but he's getting stronger. Um, Cindy, who asked for prayer about the clicking in her ear, she got that resolved. Uh, Courtney's mom and Phil's dad are both doing better. These are people we've been praying for. And now here's some folks that we want to lift in prayer today. Would you just... I mean, you know, I don't know why, but would you just join me, if you would, with, by putting your hand on your heart as we lift these before the Come Lord on, with, a, with a heart of compassion for these who are sick. Sometimes we don't feel it till it hits close to home, maybe, yeah. but it's hitting close to their home. For Spencer, who is 20 years old, dealing with lymph cancer, Spencer. and his family who are concerned and scared about it, for Talon's continued recovery. The thing we want to pray specifically for today is that she once again has the use of the organs that allow her to go to the bathroom on her own. She's made so much progress. For Mary Howard, whose sister passed away totally unexpected uh, Friday night. For Kathy and Jack's granddaughter, Karsten, they found a lump on the back of her ear. And whether or not it's benign or whatever, it, they need a safe and successful surgery. Yes, um, for Jennifer's cousin, Christy, has a blood, blood clot on the brain. They've sent her home with blood thinners, hoping to get rid of that blood clot. 
for Barb's nephew and his wife to pray for them because her father has been in the hospital with COVID pneumonia and they're um, taking him off of life support. Barb's parents adjusting to memory care living for Jeff and the edema he fights for Mary Wright to continue to recover from surgery from her close family member Jackie who's been in the hospital for a month with cancer for Linda's kidneys and uh, I don't know if oh and for Fran who has uh, health issues and so Lord uh, You know each and every one of these needs intimately. And we're praying that this compassion that's here is your compassion to heal all who are sick, Lord. Just make a way where there is no way. Yeah, we're not just, you know, we're not just asking for the prayers for like, oh yeah, they'll get better from that. No, we're asking, Father, we're asking for miracle working power. Miracles, yes. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And You know, I heard Pastor Wes's sermon this morning about Jesus going to that pool of Bethesda where the man was saying, well, who's going to put me in the water? And he'd been there, I think Pastor Wes said, 38 years. And, and Jesus simply said, Take up your mat and walk. Now that's a miracle. <laughs> and so we thank you, Father, for the miracle working power still operating today in all of these lives. We thank you for your help. We thank you for your hope for those who are worried and fearful. We pray that whatever fear has been caused by these illnesses, that a supernatural peace would come over these folks. We thank you for your help in this time of need. I'm going to have Matt sing this chorus. Come in tight on me, Cameron. But for those of you right now that are watching via the live stream, you've had so many uh-ohs, so many unexpected, all right? And, and now you don't know if you can believe again. You're not sure if you can have faith again. And I want to tell you, it's okay. It's okay to be in doubt. It's okay to be wondering. It's okay to question. It does not change good, good Father's heart or what He's going to do for you right now. Would you just move your device closer to you? Would you maybe sit up on the edge of the couch where you're watching? Matt is going to sing this chorus. I want you to do your best to sing with him. All right? Let's just sing it. And, and, and as Nina said, if you would, just put a hand. Put a hand on your heart. Put a hand over here on, on your head. Put a hand on that elbow or those, that, that hand that's hurting. Put a hand on that knee that's out of joint or that's needing surgery. But just grab something. Grab your checkbook, okay? Right now as Matt sings, I'm just believing there's a supernatural. So beyond us, beyond words, beyond the guitar and the lights and whatever. There's something supernatural right now being released to you 
in, there's no time in the spirit. There's no distance here. It's coming through the camera lens, all right? And I just believe by having faith together, God's going to do a miracle, as Nina said. God's just going to turn those circumstances around. Matt, sing. Yes, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Yes, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. over to the edge of that father and we're going to dare we're going to dare with your help and your love we're going to dare with your confidence and your strength to believe you in our darkness to rely on you when it looks like everything is uncertain you oh God we're not going to lean to our own understanding but we're going to submit all our ways unto you trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding and you, God, we're declaring it now, you will direct us out of this. You took a broken church and a broken pastor and his wife where it looked like all was lost and you've completely redeemed it and put us on a path here. You can do that. You do do that all the time. Do it for the people watching right now. Lord, here we go. We're going to step over that, that line. We're going to step over that line and we're going to trust you. We're not going to try to be more faithful. We're not going to try to confess the promise in a different or better or deeper way. We are going to put all our trust in you right now. And um, I just want to pray, lift up Cindy's husband who and his employment situation we thank you for taking care of that as well yeah i see you laying hands on jim i thank you that jim is no you're just loving on jim you're you're, you're healed that that That's pneumonia is right. gone all right amen That's right amen amen i'm checking to see if anything's been sent by chat nothing there um nina's gonna just take one more look at her messages and then we're going to pray we're good. all right we're good all right our media team's going to put this up on the uh, on the screen for us here I have a prayer 
that I want us all to pray aloud. Okay? And uh, could we all stand? Thank you. Thank you. There at home, just reposition yourself to pray. Get your device. Get it up close where you can repeat these words, would you? And let's, let's pray this prayer. Everybody together. Ready? Read. Lord, place us in the text of Scripture rather than the certainty of a constitution. Open our eyes to see the conversation, the story, the predicament, the spirit, and the incredible community of people who keep bumping into the living God. May we be a people who, even in the midst of our experiencing loss, brokenness, loneliness, and failures, are best of all a people who are growing in trust and awareness, leaning not to our own understanding, but acknowledging you in all of our ways. Cause us to be filled with hope, abiding in your presence as humble, passionate messengers.